I'm in Marina Del Rey. <laughs> Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network And boy do we have a hot panel today We've got Dick Belsky, Jim Nesbitt, Davin Goodwin, John Lansing, and Derek McFadden. And what more can a girl ask for? This is fantastic. And we're going to talk about something that a lot of authors, and the books that I've read in the last week, I could tell you they're having a problem with this, called voice. The main character's voice, how you create the voice. And there are different types of voices in writing. And everyone employs their own method to get the main character to speak. And I'm not going to tell you which book it was, but last week I wanted to kill off the main character of a book because he was really in the, yeah, it, it was, He was so obnoxious and so self-assured. I won't tell you who it is because you're going to know who it is. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This company doesn't say, oh, I'm not going to read another one, but I did a great job with what I wrote. So the voice can express the narrator or author's emotions or point of view or tone without diction. Now, some people, I'm reading a book called The Carrier, which is interesting. It has no quotation marks whatsoever. The character just rambles on, which is interesting. So you can be sarcastic, humorous, negative, argumentative, persuasive, or emotional. So here comes my first question to anybody that wants to answer that. Okay, John. When you create your novels, what do you have in mind? Use them both. The narrator expressed voice through the point of view or emotional or sarcastic tone. How do you how do you decide how you're going to express the this this particular author was self assured nasty nasty and he thought he was the, the smartest thing on this planet and he was obnoxious so how do you create a character that expresses his voice and the, you don't want to kill him off well I'll I'll, well, yes, I'll start if no one else is because uh, I I know uh, I know Jim Nesbitt and I know uh, David and I'll probably won't get in a word in edgewise for the rest of the show <laughs> but. Uh, I, I just well, Bill, who, who's, I who's, the first, who's the first one that spoke up? <laughs> and, and, and he's cutting me <laughs> off already. There you go. Um, hey, guys. Um, listen, I, I, this is something uh, I feel probably more strongly about than anything in, in my own writing is voice and, and also in, in things I read. Uh, to me, it is by far the most important thing. I mean, I know as a reader – if I'm sampling somebody and I'm picking up a book in a bookstore or I'm, you know, doing the free beginning on, on Amazon or whatever, I just, that's what I'm looking for. Like, what is the voice of the person? And so when I'm writing my books, uh, that I, it's more important than story. It's more important than anything else. And, you know, if you look at some of the great authors that we all have loved, mystery and over the years, I mean, you know, starting with Raymond Chandler, what is it that Raymond? It's the voice. It's Philip Marlowe's voice. You know, Robert Parker was Spencer's voice, and uh, I, I think you know, for someone like myself and a lot of mystery writers who write in the first person, it's even more important because that's that's the only voice the reader is hearing, 
and it better damn well be interesting. And the only disagreement I'd give with you, Fran, is like, and I, I, I know you're saying you didn't like the character. You know, the character doesn't always have to be likable. I mean, a lot of times, yeah. you know, they can be annoying, and you can, but just sort of, you, the positives have to outweigh the negatives. But, um, I mean, I, 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 I'm probably not the only person to do this, but I per, does this, but I probably more than anything else try and get that voice right before I, before I start to write a book. No, he kept well, saying yeah, I'm you know, on the world. Go on, anybody. Dick, I agree with you on that because, uh, uh, to me, voice is essential to one of the main drivers uh, preached at in the book of Chandler, which is character. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, I think all of our books are, you know, very largely character-driven, and, and that's particularly important when, you know, you're – Getting a first-person point of view, and that's the voice, you know, the dominant voice you're going to hear throughout. Uh, I write a little bit differently. I, I change change up uh, get the point of view from each character, so I've got to be careful not to uh, make them sound too much alike. I got to give them distinguishing uh, characteristics. But that voice is one of the primary ways through both, you know, quote and interaction with other characters an internal dialogue that you define your character and, uh, you know, you show who that person is. And, so and I just say, Jim, that I'm somebody who read the Ed, Earl, Ed Earl Birch books, and, and, you know, that is the selling point. The, the way Ed Earl's voice is what is the, great, the greatest thing is about those books, and you know that because that's yep. what you try and do. Well, thank you, Dick. Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 I'll send you a check in the mail. But it, it, it is, <laughs> to me, it's just, it's, it's the essential. Yeah. Or one of the essentials, you know, you know, character and uh, action, uh, and uh, to me, you know, right there, right up there is, you know, the the creating a scene so real that it becomes a character unto itself. But that voice is just you know, an essential means of defining character. So you write in third person when when you talk uh, about writing your different characters and different voices. Well, it's it's almost like it's. It's almost like it's first person for the uh, for the character. Oh, for I'm each of the characters. On. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I and, get then, it. and then I go into third person when there's interaction. So okay, you know, so so my, ch- my challenge is to you know they're all kind of kind of uh, grim folks uh, in West Texas and uh, with the you know Texas and Southern uh, influ- cultural influences. So how do right. I make them not all sound like Bubba? So that, 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 that's, that's, that's the challenge. Right. And, and, you know, and, and there's you know, various tricks of the trade. You make one more eloquent. You make one more bitten. You make one sarcastic and dark. And the other one's kind of uh, superficially sweetness and light. But his internal dialogue may be dark and grim. I mean, you, you know, there's just various tricks of the trade you use to you know, give them a distinguishing voice. Now, to right. someone who's a non-Southerner or doesn't know Texas speak, they may sound all alike, and uh, you know, well, that's just that, that, that's just the uh, the choice uh, that I've taken, and it doesn't hit somebody's ear the, the right way, but it it, it rings right. true to me, and it rings true to a lot of the Texas beta readers I use. So, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm delivering authentic characters with authentic right. voice. You may not just like Texas Bubba's, you know, or Texas Bubba X. So that's my approach to it. But I, I, I wholeheartedly, 100% agree with Dick Belsky. He is a smart man. 
So the book I write, I mean, the book I wrote was, can I I jump in? Is it okay? (laughs) Um, Yeah, jump in. So I was very, I I was very, it's it's Derek here. I was very Mm -hmm. conscious of my internal dialogue. My, um, so the book is, um, is a, is a character study for me and it's multiple point of view. So I also had to be very careful that I wasn't writing the same voice, but mm. also conscious of the internal dialogue as well. So I agree with all of you on that. that that's a good point, Derek. I mean, that's, that, that to me is the biggest challenge is, is they may share a culture, but they're different people. You know, yes. uh, and some folks, some of the more minor characters, uh, although none of my characters are really minor, uh, I'll give a more eloquent voice, uh, maybe um, make them more talky, just consciously just to provide that contrast, you know. Because without, that's without who they are also. Book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It has to be It has to be who they are. You can't let the... Uh, let the strings and the, uh, the the nail holes show in your trade craft, but it does. You you are as a maybe a sub uh, priority. You are you are consciously giving them a little bit of a different voice or a markedly different voice, and you know that'll help you out with your other characters. Well, how does language come into it? Because sometimes I get a book with a lot of bad language and I skip right over it. And some, sometimes in some characters they just need to, to say that. So characters well, yeah, could be positive is... or negative or they could be really munchy. And, you know, some of your books, I don't care, they're fine, it's great. But sometimes when they write every other word is blank, blank, and blank, and they go like, do I have to really read this? So how do you use language and the type of vocabulary that the, writer, the main character uses so that people don't get offended or they don't care? Sorry, I stepped over you. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm, surprised, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you struggled through an Edel Birch book, uh, Fran, because my guy's he's, he's blue as all get out. I've been struggling a lot. <laughs> For me, it's all about the character. Um, if if he would talk like that, then he yeah. should talk like that. Um, okay. I don't – I'm looking at my audience and saying I'm not going to overly swear like a whole bunch over the line, but if he's going to talk like that and if, if it wouldn't be authentic if he didn't talk like that, then I have to use those words. Because the character dictates his language. I mean, one, yes. once you create the character, at a certain point yeah. in the book, the characters just take over. I write a series, and so my main core of people – I established who they were at the beginning, and with each each episode or each each new novel, they mature. They are, are going through their life experience. They're having relationships, and all of those things become part of who they are in the new book. But it's less. It, it's it's the secondary characters that maybe halfway through the book, absolutely define themselves, and sometimes I'll go back to the beginning. Then I'll straighten a few things out so that it's consistent. But it's all character-driven, I guess, is, is the only thing I'm trying to say. 
I think that yeah. uh, I think that to me, there the answer to this question is there is no answer, be, or right or wrong yeah. answer. Because uh, uh, right. I was on a panel. I was actually on a panel not uh, recently, not that long ago. I think it was in Killer Nashville, and uh, it was about using curse words. And uh, there was uh, there was a very uh, successful thriller author who writes very violent books, very a lot of sex scenes, but never uses curse words. He feels very strongly about it, you know. Um, and then, you know, you'll read other books, as you say, Fran, where they're just constantly cursing. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, more, so I'm more inclined to not all the way. You know, and I agree with, um, you know, what was just said before. My character is set in a newsroom. So, you know, it's like if something big happens, they, they're not likely to say, oh, gosh, darn, or something. You know, they're more likely <laughs> some yeah. sort of a word. But I, so... Yes, there are times when I will do it because I think it's 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 necessary. Organic. Uh, but I try not to, you know, I, I, I do my best to avoid it for a lot of reasons, um, including, you know, some of these books wind up in libraries and kids, you know, it's just, uh, but I just, I th- and to me, I think, I guess it's more effective to use words like that sparingly than to just pepper the whole uh, thing through it. Now, that can change for the book. Um, if you're writing a hard-boiled, uh, hard, really hard-boiled book and your character is cursing all the time, um, then, then it can work. So that's why I, I, think, I think every author has to make that decision, and it, it, it just changes from person to person. Right. And it's a balancing act, Dick. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, you know my guy is an ex-cop, you know, kind of, uh, kind of a bit of a down-and-out uh, PI in Dallas, and... Uh, you know, the, the world he comes from is pretty gritty and violent, so he cusses naturally. But, you know, I think in order to write effective and elegant profanity, you have to be practicing the use of it. Nothing worse than an editor uh, who always was trying to uh, establish how tough she was. And so she'd cuss, but there'd always be a little momentary hitch just before she said the cuss mm-hmm. word. And it like came off as fake and false, and then right. it's it, it's a crutch to just have the guy say you know expletive deleted all the time to where it becomes a distraction, you know yeah. to, to and I, and and I I ask you know some similarly fluent uh, pro- profane savvy folks am I am I, is he too profane and. Uh, just to give a gut check, and uh, you know, so far uh, I haven't I haven't been called out too many times uh, on the use of that. But at the same time, you got to make them real, you know. Yeah. And if your guy is in that world, um, Dick's right. Newsrooms I grew up in, man, it was you know the the air was blue. And it's also changes over the years because I I go all you know this I mean I'm I'm an old guy and I know there's a few other old guys on here uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, 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 I don't know the age of everybody but uh, but uh, um, you know like I remember when Jimmy uh, Carter was president and he you know the, there was the in 19, I guess it was 80 when uh, Ted Kennedy was going to run against him and we had like a, a, a famous headline that was something where Jimmy Carter was quoted, I'll kick Ted Kennedy's ass if he runs. And there was a whole controversy, and I can't remember if we did it or we hyphenated it or what, that you couldn't use ass in a headline. I mean, now, <laughs> Times have every changed. word is, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, you can't have a, you, you can't have a political discussion, whatever what side you're on, without mm-hmm. referring 
referring to Trump or Biden or whoever, you know, pretty much everybody there's curse words involved. And, and, and uh, yep. so I, it's just the standards have, have really changed over the years. Um, no but, but, again, that still doesn't mean that, we, that as an author we, we have to use it has to be organic to the characters. If it's organic, and then the dialogue's real, and people will buy whatever they're saying. They may not like it, and you may lose some readers, but if it's organic and, and, and the characters just just fly off the page, you're going you're gonna to read the book, no matter what the hell they're saying. There's a rhythm to it, and, you know, it's... What, once that starts happening to me, that's when writing gets fun. When you stop yeah, editing it, yourself it, it, and the characters are just like moving. Yeah, yeah. So my main character has cerebral palsy like I do, and um, and if if he didn't swear, um, he wouldn't be authentic. Most people uh, who read handicapped, or, and um, if, 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 I mean, if you read handicapped people in these these days, what you're reading is either the the character is too broken to matter, or he's the sage teaching the able-bodied to live, and I'm not either one of those. So, um, <laughs> no kidding. Do, oh, my God. Right. And I do swear, and so do you, honestly. So no, if no. you get it, you get it, and that's why I yeah. use it. Yeah. Yeah, what, what leaps to mind is uh, is kind of old-school comedians criticizing younger comedians for just relying on the swear words in the F-bombs instead of developing comedy. If that doesn't story, make anything funny. You're either funny or you're not yeah. funny. Sorry to interrupt. Right, exactly. Exactly. But, but e- either, you know, either your story rings true and it captures the reader or it doesn't. Right. Right. And the use of any other device, whether it's swearing, sex, violence, or whatever, is not going to save you. So yeah. uh, you know, if you're if you're working on, and I I view this as integral, inter, integral. You know, if you're working on a character and you're you're working on that voice, and if the character's real and the situ, you know the story's real, uh, you know, and the you know, the voice flows out of that, then you're in the groove. Then you're where you're sh- where you should be. You might lose a reader or two because they don't like it, but you know you're staying true to the character and true to the story. Right. Actually, I could actually hear. I could actually see the character saying it. I could actually close my eyes and know where they are, and can tell their tone of voice. But when there's too much of the other kind of scenes, I skip over those two. My mother would not want me to read that. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if I use, if I use again, again, I'm I'm I, I, I can hear yeah. her in my head saying, "Don't even think it." So, when you when you write a narrative first person, um, do you keep it simple? Does the character ever sound like you? Do you ever want to wish that you could just be the character in the book, or does it say what you mean? And there are some authors, like I said, who bore me to tears and then keep rambling on and on and on and on and on, and I go like, "Is this going to ever be over?" The truth of the matter is, if it's a book is 400 pages, I could read it in an hour and a half. If it takes me more than two days to read it, you're in trouble, seriously. And lately, there've been not too much trouble. Um, so, wh- how do you keep it? I mean, without rambling on and on and on, the character just keep it simple. Does the character sound like yourself? Well, I can hear the voice of your characters when you're speaking. 
especially in the, um, what Death Toy Deterrence, you have so many characters. I hear a whole bunch of voices, even though they're God. Yeah. What can I say? Yeah. Well, well in in what Death Toy Deterrence, since I wrote it, I'll tell. Yeah. I'll I'll start this. Um, <clears throat> what what I did was so my main character has the palsy, like I was talking about, has my palsy, and so essentially is me. And then around him, I I put a family of characters and gave them different voices. But do I wish I was the character? Well, I am the character, so I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. Because <laughs> if I didn't, you I wouldn't be You must be very happy then. I'm all right. I mean, I'm happy that I was able to get the book out the way it's meant to be written. Is right, that's terrific. Yeah. I um, I think that uh, Dick Belsky here again. I think um, uh, it, it, uh, in your question of is is it me? I, so when I'm writing the book, well certainly because I'm writing a female character. But my previous series uh, was Gil Malloy, a reporter. And um, when I wrote when I wrote that character, um, I never thought of I was writing it as me. Maybe I was writing it as the kind of person I wanted to be, kind of like who says you know things that I wouldn't say. Um, and so I would draw on a lot of people that I knew in the news business. But um, I, I, I've had people who know me who read those Gil Malloy books, and they say, uh, wow, you know, that, that, the cadence, the way he talks, that's you. You know, that's, that's you. So I think we, you know, we inadvertently do it. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. with, the, with the Claire Carlson books, I, um, I, uh, I, I draw on a lot of, of, of female characters. I've met a lot of very feisty tough uh, women journalists and you know I combine that into into that person now there's there's clearly like there's a little bit of of myself so when 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 Claire is talking about integrity and journalism and things like that and how newspapers matter um, well you know a lot of that part of it is you know a lot of that part of it is uh, is me but um, I think with all the characters somebody once talked to me you know one of my uh, favorite shows is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, and uh, somebody once talked about the appeal of that show is that Larry David basically says all the things to people that all of us want to say, but we don't have the, the you know, we would never in a million years do it, but when he does, we go, yeah, I wish I could have done that, and uh, I think I think I, uh, a lot of authors, and I know myself, uh, do that with my character. Uh, my character, you know, says things, gets gets in trouble, um, in ways mm-hmm. that I would never have the courage to do, but it's 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 fun to write about that in a book. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I don't write in first person. I write in third person. But mm-hmm. in the Jack Bertolino series, he does things that I would never do, that I would never have the balls to do. And, you know, but, but there's still parts of me that, that inhabit that character. And, yeah, that inhabit the character. Well, I like that character, which brings me to my next question. What was that? Jack Bertolino has a unique way of handling difficult situations. He gets really dangerous. And a way of letting readers know his thoughts. And Dick does this also. And the other other authors do it too. How do you incorporate different techniques of voice and yet you know what he's thinking? You can hear the inner voice. As he's doing something, he's telling you, this is what I'm going to do, and I get nervous every time he does that. So how do, how do you incorporate that? He's innermost thoughts, and he's like, you know, some people, like Jim writes in italics sometimes, so I know, oh, God, I'm in trouble. This right. guy's going to say something I don't want to hear. How do you do that? How do you handle difficult situations? And when, when he was up in that plane, I got nervous, and I was hoping right, that Right, I got nervous, too, and, and he got yeah, nervous. Well, <laughs> so yeah, you knew everybody was nervous, and so hopefully there was conflict and tension it. there in that plane. You know, I, um, I don't really... 
I approach it from kind of a different place because I come from from acting and reading mm-hmm. thousands I'm exaggerating a little bit of terrible work and great work and and I developed the muscle of knowing what emotionally works and doesn't work in a character. So if I read something, if I write something and I read it and I go, I'd like to do that, it, it's like it, 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 it allows me to move forward. I go, okay, this is cool, let's keep going. And at a certain point, you just trust that Jack Bertolino is going to do the right thing, but, but the, the circumstance sets up his moves and sets up mm-hmm. what he has to say about it. So I don't give a lot of technical thought. I get on yeah. the emotional ride, and I let that take me and, and help the work continue until I get to the end, which is always a happy place to get to. I know. I got heart palpitations until <laughs> the end of the book, too. That just shows that I read it. Yes, I did. Well, yeah, Thank you for reading it. To... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, I, I, I've been getting books that I don't even know I'm getting. I mean, my chair is filled with 20 books, and I go, like, you're going to read them all because we have no one else that's going to be brave enough to read all of them. Now, Jim, right. your character, too, is very unique. When I got your book from Partners in Crime, I go, what am I reading? This was really good. I like this character. character has a unique way of expressing himself and making me laugh. And, of course, he gets into trouble with too many women, but that's okay, too. So how does he add? And you use flashbacks, too, right, in order to tell what, what the character does. So how do you do that and keep, keep, keep me from not putting the – I didn't put the book down. I just read it in an hour and a half. You know that. So how, how does this add to voice and allow the reader to get to know him, Jim? Are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, the, uh, you know, I do use flashbacks uh, and, yeah. and italics to show that he's he's you know something going deep into something in this past. He's also somebody uh, uh, who mm. gets a little haunted, uh, uh, has conversations with his dead partner. You know, so I like I'll set that, that off. <laughs> For the reader, you know, just kind of show that this is internal. And uh, to me, it's, you know, one of the main ways you define character. You know, it's both internal dialogue and in the case of conversations with his dead partner, you know, and they have a particular shorthand and profane way they talk to each other. Um, You know, it shows who this guy is and how he thinks. Uh, And, you know, I, I think the point about, when you're in the groove and you're not giving this a lot of thought and it's just, you know, flowing, you know, I know these guys and I kind of know what they're going to say before I put it down on the page. Right. Um, I don't think about it. It just, you know, it, it just happens. Yeah. And uh, they're, you know, they're there and they're making the point. And then, yeah, you got to go back and maybe clean it up a little bit and, you know, tighten it up. <laughs> but, it's authentic, and I know it's in the flow already, and all I'm doing is just doing a little light polishing. Uh, well, you're going to write another one do, soon, right? Yeah, I'm, in the, yeah, I'm kind of stalled out right now because of work demands, but uh, um, I'm in, I guess, the first third of book four. and oh, uh, the, uh, the The dead certain doubt. Does that ring true to you, Belsky? 
best titles ever. Uh, every one of uh, they're, they're good books, but they're the titles really. You, I, I'm going to have to steal a title from you at some point, Nesbitt. So, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, 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 my bank account's a little low, Dick. So I, I'd be glad to sell you one. Okay. So, but but I think the 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 more challenging portion is when you've got something you want to say. Uh, you know, either comment on life its own self or or politics or music or whatever, and you got to think you think your way through that. Um, what does this guy think about this, and, and how would he put it? I mean, right now I'm 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 working on a passage that's going to refer back to you know some of the militia crazies that are that have popped back up in the news. And I used to write about these guys all the time uh, back in my journalism days and hang out with them. So you know, do I, you know, I, I don't want to burden it with too much detail. I want to make it a kind of a shorthand reference, kind of conversational, but I've got to think my way through that. How much detail to use, how much, you know, explanatory, and what's too little to uh, really give the reader a firm grounding in the background without without making it a history uh, uh, lesson. My friend used to call so that you stamp collecting. You can't yeah, do too much yeah. stamp collecting because people are just exactly. going to turn off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you want to use just enough to be authentic uh, yeah. and and make make the point the character's making in his mind without uh, you know loading it up with extraneous details. Exactly. Uh, and I'll make a reference here, like the 1951 playlist of a Los Angeles radio station that Dick and I talked to a fellow about. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm still shaking my head about that one, Belsky. I, it, it's just way yeah, too much. This is this is the story about um, uh, overdoing research, and somebody was had something in the 50s, and an author who actually wanted to find out what songs were played on a certain day so they could be, you know, realistic, you know, something to that point. And um, I think Jim and I's reaction is, you know, this is fiction. This isn't, you know, this isn't rocket science. You know, uh, I mean, you don't want to have a, a song that came out in 1963 being played in 1951. But uh, the other, the other thing is, uh, uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, but the first person narrative. And I know you started off talking about that, uh, Fran. Yeah. That you know, that presents uh, it presents some challenges. But I, I think, in some ways, for me. Um, I, it, it, to tell the story because you you are the entire my entire book is in my character Claire Carlson's head she's telling the story so not only is she talking to people but in between when I as the author am talking I'm talking as her so you're you know exactly what she's thinking and 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 why now where this can get in, I was going to say tricky but actually interesting is uh, you know the reader doesn't have to know everything she knows so like like Claire mm-hmm. can be telling telling some background on something, but maybe she leaves something out. So she's not lying to the reader. This is a tricky thing, and this is where you get into the sort of the unreliable narrator thing, which I can find can be really fascinating mm-hmm. at times. Uh, so she'll tell you most everything she knows, and then later you'll find out, oh, wait a minute, she, she neglected to do this, and this was the secret she held. As a first-person uh, first uh, character author, 
Um, you, I, I, I can do a lot more with that. And uh, if you're writing multiple characters, a third person, then you have to approach it in uh, in different ways. And I've never really, I've written third. Per- I've said this. I, I wrote a piece uh, for Killing Nashville not long ago that this is my 14th book. Uh, they're all in the first person. That doesn't mean I haven't read written third person books, and not it doesn't mean I haven't written multi character books. But the only ones I've ever got published are first person. So there may be a, something there. I might be better writing in first person. They would with really awkward writing in first person. Did anybody ever think to tape uh, to tape their voices, the characters, to hear how it sounds? Oh no, that's so self-conscious. I mean, you you have to <laughs> you have to love the sound of your voice, or you know. But isn't it that, that, that'd be yeah, crazy I'm sure to other me. people here? Isn't it really interesting? I find to, when you hear an audio, because like I've had a couple yeah. audio versions of my book, and when you hear someone else reading your lines, yeah. that's like a really cool thing. And you're like, oh, my God, right. I wrote that. You know? Yeah, my audio yeah. book is coming out very, very soon. I'm so excited. I've heard the whole thing that's the said. past week, and it's the most amazing thing. I mean, hearing someone else say words that have been in your head for four or five years yeah. is yeah. nuts. That's nice. Congrats. That's a good thing. Thank you. It'll be interesting, since I write from the point of view of a dead person, it'll be interesting to see how somebody sounds when they're dead coming alive. That's just something wrong. so sad. It's, 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 that's the truth. Somebody had said to me, why don't you get your face? I said, no, it's okay. They, they let them stay dead and be happy. Um, so, uh, Davin, you begin your novel very without telling anybody that the person's name is the neighbor. He's the killer. So how and why did you create this, and how did you create the voice? Because nobody knows who that person was. And your main character is a detective, so, and we know his thoughts, but how come you created a character that's speaking to us called The Neighbor? Oh, it's so long ago, I can't remember, to be honest with you. But I think it, it kind of lends back to when I was growing up, uh, my dad mm-hmm. all the 70 police uh, serial books. And, or a movie, Bojack and Columbo and everything. And every one of those always start with something happening, some kind of murder or something, some uh, abduction or heist or something. And then the, you know, the, the main character of the series is involved. And I guess that's kind of where it came from is, is just getting, okay, something drastic is going to happen right away that's going to thrust this, this uh, protagonist into the, into the realm of what happened. And, and I, I thought real heavily, I, it didn't always start off that way, but I had so many critiques that said, hey, you need a better hook, you need a better hook, you need something that propels your, your hero the industry right away. And so that, that's when I came back and rewrote that first draft. So I wanted him to be a very deep and very, very dark person. And then the rest of the book isn't like that. It's just the first chapter that's very, very dark, and the rest of it is really more yeah. lighthearted. Yeah. I, I contrast and, and and I've had uh, I've had the advantage I've uh, I've also read uh, uh, David's book and um, uh, it, it, for, for anyone who hasn't it really he, he does that very effectively because I know when you first told me about the book you said well I start off in the third person or whatever and then I go to first, whatever you were and I'm thinking oh that doesn't sound very good you know but then I picked it up and it really really worked uh, that first chapter where he sets the scene just yeah. gets you into the rest of the book and. You know, you don't know anything about the character at that point, but then the character develops, uh, you know, after that. And, uh, 
So, you know, again, like, because I've been able to read a couple of these books here, you know, I know, I know when things are, are, are really, really can work, and, and that's, what, that's what you're trying to do. And, and that gets, you know, that also gets back to the thing that um, it's, not, it's even more than voice, I guess, is there's nothing more important than those opening couple pages, you know. I yeah. mean, it's like whether, whether, very you, true. whether you open it with something great from your character, so that it's like a Philip Marlowe character thing that you're grabbing, or you do, uh, you know, like with a great action scene. Uh, but nobody, nobody, if they don't know you, they're not going to keep reading to page 20 to, oh, to find something interesting. They're going to read those first two pages, and you're either going to buy into the book or not. And that's how I am. You know, I'm, look, if I'm reading, uh, if I'm reading, uh, yep. uh, you know, uh, uh, Michael Conley or somebody, okay, I give him time. But if I'm reading somebody I don't know, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta get me, you know, like they gotta get me in the first few pages. And I think most, I think most readers are like that. Yeah. I think so, you should take some so, of the um, book off my chair that I don't want to read, and I'll send them to you. You can tell me why. Can I why. jump in on that, um, friend? Go on. Um, so my character dies on page one, and if yeah. if you don't, I mean, if he dies on page thirty, no one's reading that far. So he has to <laughs> die on page one. And then the the thing is also, I work with an agent to see if books are viable as far as if they can be published mm. and if they should be rep- represented. And if it takes me 20 pages to get into a book, I've probably already passed on it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. If it takes me more than the first two paragraphs, you're in trouble as a reviewer, seriously. Um and I and I don't and I don't read the the cover of the book because I don't care what the cover. It's got to be a very good prologue or a very good opening paragraph. But you guys don't have the problem, which is really good. Prologues are so often backstory or, that's been shoehorned yeah. in somewhere. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And sometimes they're good, and sometimes <laughs> I could live without them. Then there's the epilogue that sometimes ruins the whole book and says what's going to happen. And I go like, I don't care. How are you going to write a sequel if you're going to tell me what's going to happen? I don't care. I like open-ended endings are are interesting. So how do you create a sense of spoken word? I mean, how do you hear, how do I know what the voice of the character sounds like? I mean, sarcastic, nasty. Um, The narrator tells a story from different, different points of view, but I can sort of hear Claire's voice when she gets nasty and wants to talk to her friend and sound off. I, I could hear the other characters and the voice. I could hear even, well, Terrence, Terrence has about 20 ca- different characters, and they're all guards. They all have different voices. So how do I know mm-hmm. when I'm listening to the character that that character has this distinct voice, and yet you have minor characters? How does the minor character come into it so that I want to get to know them so you can write a series about that person too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting bad. The well, minor characters. Go ahead. Yeah. Can I go first on this one? Yeah. Uh the, the, so the minor characters, for me, are the family that's around Terrence. So they all grew mm-hmm. up with him, and they learned mm-hmm. his sarcasm, and so they yeah. are sarcastic. But beyond that, they're their own people. Um, and if they, if they don't sound like their own people, you're doing something wrong. So, um, it, and, and, and they should be interesting. If there's only one character in your book that's interesting and, and there's eight characters in the book, no one's going to finish it. So mm-hmm. I want to hear what happens with all the characters. And, and, and that, I want the reader perfect. to want that. That's what's nice about third person, though, because you have that character development on the, the main players, 
the secondary characters, the third, you can you can develop all those. So the audience, if if you write if you write well, the audience is going to enjoy that process. I, I also yeah, think if you what, don't do if you if you don't do that, you know you you, you you've got your main character who may be well defined and has a great voice surrounded by stick figures, yeah. and I think yeah. way yeah, too many exactly. authors. Yeah. I think way too many authors blow that chance to both define the minor characters and through that help define your major players exactly. by having stick figures. Uh, I feel the same way about scene, too. You know, I mean, it's like use that as an opportunity. I mean, the way people move through the land uh, and rest a living out of it is telling. I mean, and, and you're showing people without, you know, hey, without, you had to do yeah. this to do that. Yeah, without telling. Without exposition. So, I, yeah. yeah. I, I so also it, think it, that it's, a lot of it has to do with, um, it, I know for myself, it, a lot of it has to do with um, coming up with these things, not because you're planning it, because you're writing it. I mean, in the best world, your characters uh-huh. come alive as you write them. Uh, exactly. yes. You may not, uh, and I've done this, uh, you know, like, uh, Fran, we've talked, uh, like, so my character, Claire, has a, mm-hmm. uh, a friend named Janet, and yep. Janet is like, I cr- tried to make her the exact opposite of Claire, where Claire is kind of like haphazard and her life's all screwed up. Janet is everything. She's a lawyer. She's like on top of everything, and so there there are opposites, but they sort of attract. And when you know when you start writing it, I mean, I might have written Janet for like one scene, just so Claire has somebody to talk to. But then I found, you know, what well, I like this character, and she grows, and then you find out more about her mm-hmm. as the as the book and the series go. And I I think when um I think when an author is doing right, I mean, if you look at something like like I mean the um the, most people have read the this all the Spencer books I have, you know, the Robert B. Parker books. So you not only have Spencer. But you have Hawk and you have Susan, you know, his girlfriend and, and the best friend. And they play big things. Now, if you read the early books, they're not in those, you know, uh, like the first two books. They, they, he, it's Spencer on his own. Like at some point, he created Susan Silverman, and then he decided, well, you know, I'm going to keep going with this. It's then the character Hawk, who's like a bad guy, but who's really a good guy. Um, and, you know, I just I think if you sit and plan these things, it may or may not work. Uh, you can plan them a bit, but in the end, it's uh, hey, it, is this character working? And for me, and I'm sure for every author, one of the greatest <laughs> pleasures is when a character literally comes alive before you and becomes interesting to you. Because if the character's interesting to me, I like to think it'll be interesting to the reader, too. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when I read all of you. But before I forget, I'm going to probably get in trouble on Monday, but this should be interesting. Lee Matthew Goldberg. Charles Salzberg and Chris Carlson, we're going to talk about police reform, uh, what the Democrats want, what the Republicans want, what the police did that's right, what's wrong, and the rallies that they need to stop, and all this other uh, social distancing that is not happening, and that should be interesting on Monday at 10. And, Jim, let me know if you're going to join us. This is going to have to come up with talking points. Yeah, I, I, um, I, 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 I should be able to join the only if I get swept away by by last-second demands at the day job, uh, I'll let you know as soon as I know. That's okay. And on the last show for the month of June, until August 3rd, um, I'm hoping he does. They're allowing me to take a break, maybe. July 3rd, uh, June 30th, Pastor Michael Jones will be here. We're going to talk about 
how to get along, how to say some prayers, and how to say something positive to people rather than the negative. And Michael is a good friend, and he's great. And then I start back on August 3rd with Mark Sass uh, about a young man called Moses the Singer, and he's a man without a country, and how some teenagers saved his life, and he's calling from Saudi Arabia. And I'm really excited. I finally got him on my show. So that's what's coming up. Of course, John Land will be there in August and Jeff Bond three times. It should be interesting. And here's another question that's coming up on my paper. Um, how do you create a sense of, does your character ever sound cynical, overly possessive, nasty, inspirational? What would you say your character's tone of voice is? Because all of your characters are different. So if I would listen to them on a on a tape or audio book, what kind of a voice would I hear that would make me want to listen to audio? Because friend doesn't listen to anything except print. Seriously. An interesting I think my voice. character's voice. Can I, can I, <laughs> I think my character's voice it changes uh, yeah. from the beginning of the book when he's cynical to the end of the book when he's hopefully been changed and is inspiring. And uh, it, that's just character arc. So I think voice changes with character arc. That's interesting. You can't just sound one note throughout. You know, throughout. Yeah. I mean, that's right. gonna that's gonna eventually bore readers. You know, it has mm-hmm. to be authentic. It has to come from from a real place or a place that you know appears real to the reader. But you know, it, it, you know, you got to mix up the moods. I mean, we're you know we're human beings. You know, you can't be hard bitten and cynical all the time. Right. Uh, you know, and that's why, you know, artful use of both internal and uh, external dialogue is so important. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, my yep. guy, Ed Earl, he comes, you know, yeah, like when him. you're listening to him talk, he's, 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 you know, he's an inveterate smart ass and uh, always says what he's thinking without much of a filter and gets him in trouble. And he's mm-hmm. you know pretty pretty hard bitten and cynical, but if he were that way all the way through, if he wasn't you know flawed, if he wasn't uh, angst ridden, if I didn't show some of those other qualities, uh, he he would be a stick figure. So you know you 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 have to be aware of that uh, and create a fully you know fully formed character. And here's the story thing that dictates the emotional life. The, the, your character has to change yes. with with the conflict, with the the, the joy mm-hmm. in his life, with his, his love, whatever it is, he changes. So, you know, that's it, it keeps it. The complexity is what what makes it wonderful, and and sucks people in, and keeps you interested in writing that character. It's not one note. Exactly. If it's one right. note, you're in big trouble, and and you know you're you're not even enjoy writing. A character like that. I've had to write a few characters if like that. If it's one note, your character is going to be flat, and you probably won't even finish the book. Yeah, there you go. But here's another interesting balance that I that I that, you know that I'm aware of when I write, and I and I, I think we all are, which is you can be too authentic. You know, people always say to me like, "Oh, wow, you know, Claire Carlson, that's that's a real that you know that's exactly what happens in a newsroom." Well, no, it isn't because. The point is, most people, when we talk to people, they have a lot of boring things to say. You know, it's how you doing? No, not much. I'm feeling okay. Nothing really happened. The weather is fine. Uh, a lot of buzz. And, uh, you know, 
Um, and in, the, in a book, you know, you know, if you were going to really convey the way a person wrote, you would include all that. But no, nobody wants to read it. So everything is always exciting, and it's an interesting balance. You know, like, like I always say, like Claire, Claire goes into the newsroom every day and something exciting happens. Uh, I've gone into newsrooms all my life, and many, many days, nothing exciting happens. Um, so, um, you know, and, 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 and that's, 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 I think that's just something I work at, too. So you want it to be the way she would talk in a newsroom, but you're, you're conveying it in a way that, is, that isn't real, because real is not fiction. This, these are exactly. mystery fiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. So if I were to yeah. ask you... The, the type of diction a person uses, the imagery, the sound of the voice, the pitch or the volume. Um, how do I know when I'm when you write? I could tell when people are yelling and screaming <laughs> and crying. <laughs> and 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 then and then lately I've been yelling and screaming and crying. And what did I do to get punished to have to read this? No, I get a lot of books that I don't know about. <laughs> I mean, I just read. Um, it's really good. Um, I'm sorry he's giving up this series. Uh, Mike Madden, Firing Point, the Tom Clancy book. Absolutely fantastic. It's it's too bad that he's giving it up because I don't know who, if Don Bentley is going to be able to to do it. It's really good. And I read a book by a new author. After I got the book back, somebody stole the book from the book room. I'm serious. And literally took this one, and they didn't even know what it was. called City of Hate by Tim S. Miller. He's got, it, it's interesting because I hated the character, but I, go, I grew to love him at the end. So how, how do you create addiction? How do I, like, how do you create the sound of the person's voice? How do you create sarcasm? Because I know when Claire's speaking, I can know she's getting nasty. I know when Earl is speaking, I know he's getting nasty. I know when Jack is getting really raunchy. I can tell he's, how do, I, how do you do that? Because I don't know how to do that. No, seriously. I have no idea. I don't know what to say. I, I don't. Uh... In other words, yeah, in other I don't words, either. If, 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 if yeah, I was going mean... to speak to the person's voice, what would I hear? Would I hear a voice that's loud and boisterous? Would I hear a, low, a low voice that's low when they're speaking? It's... How do they change their internet? How do they change the way they speak so that I know when they're angry, when they're not angry, so that when I'm reading the book and if I hate the book and the author doesn't know what they're doing, I can figure out what the character is trying to tell me. If I've done the job, if the author right, doesn't know what they're doing, you're going to have a tough time. You're going to have a tough time yeah. liking the book and finishing the book. This is very um, true. Yeah, yeah. And if you know if you know your character and you are in that groove, that kind of comes naturally. You know, I don't yes. I don't think a lot about that. I know, okay, he's got a confrontational scene, or he's about to. You know, he somebody has said something that pisses him off, and he's got a he's got a sharp rejoinder that just comes you know out of the flow and, and, and if I've done my job right you don't have to be told uh, that oh yeah. he, he he's about to get angry you, I think that's I've why when you finish the question overall. I think that's why when you finish the question Fran we all were kind of quiet because I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just that's just part of the craft that you have to uh-huh. that you have to know before you do that, that's that's the reading person in me. I ask these questions and I yeah, no, like, no, oh I mean, my god, what and, did I and say? As as authors, um, it's not your job to figure out if he's angry. It's our job yeah. to communicate if he's angry. And you if do. we don't Trust do me. that, then you should put the book down. If but if it we doesn't do ring that, true, hopefully you finish. You it. should put the book yes. down. Yes. 
which explains a lot of the books I've been putting down inside and having a trouble reading. You know, I read everything. But if I really feel the book is way out of way out of line, I just write a summary and I won't review it because I'm not going to pan somebody's work because somebody else might like it. And that's just me. Right. And I just won't I won't post post it on Amazon. Like I was telling Dick last time, somebody a publisher asked me to read a book, um it was a self-help book, and I said to the publicist, I don't want to review this book because I disagree with everything the person said, which is rare. I said, yeah, seriously. And I said, I understand where he's coming from. I understand how he's creating this world, but people that live in the city or don't live in the country can't do that. And how do you invite 100 people to your house for dinner and you don't know them in this pandemic? So I won't tell you the name of the book, and I did review it. And I didn't write anything there. I just wrote what I thought. And and then the author the author oh. sent me an email. Could you could you not post it? I go well. I haven't oh, done that man. yet. But I'm thinking. Yeah, it was so. It, it took me like five days to read this book. It was very well written. And I'm saying, if you if you have, if you live in the if you live in the boondocks and you can grow your food at home, that's fine. But if you can't, I mean, oh well. What can I say? I I, I tried. But, yeah. One of I the mean, things I, I as an it. author that we have to learn is once the book is out, yeah. it's for the reader. It's not for us. So reviews like you post, Fran, are for readers to decide if they want to buy the book. They are not to oh, stroke the ego of the author. They're just not. Well, yeah, the not. toughest thing like for an book, author I'm to do. The toughest thing for an author to do is take a look at that. And you know, yeah. and swallow the ego, and find out whether there's a nugget yeah. in there for for you to get better as a writer. But you know, yeah. your your point is dead on. Uh, you know, the, that review is for the reader, and yeah. you hope for a good one. But if you don't get a good one, uh, you know, it's like they paid their money. They 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 get to say what they want to say, and uh, you can cuss and kick a can about it. But that that's, if you that's pay the beyond your control. Book. If you pay the money for oh, my yeah. book and you buy my book, you can burn my book. I don't care. Because <laughs> I got the money for it. No, I've been sending you know all of I mean? books to my like, uncle in California. Yeah. He's 99. And he's been reading all of your books and he's blessing me. He says, I'm the best. He's 99 years old and he's got a girlfriend, people. Aww. And um, yeah. Yeah, he's hot, Uncle Len. And he loves me and he thinks I'm the only per- he's the only person in my family that reads. So I sent him just about a copy of everybody's book. And right. he's reading them and he's like, blessing me forever. So before <laughs> before we we end in about five minutes, um, who's got something new coming out and when? And my schedule is tight, so you better tell me so I know what to put to put you in. Um, Dick, well, what's next? I, I, I'm gonna. I just want to plug. I just want to. I'll just. I think we should all plug our current books if we could. And so yeah. my book is the last scoop, as you yeah. know, and it's uh, number three in the uh, series on TV Journal with Claire Carlson, and it's out now in hardcover and. Uh, and also in uh, in ebook, and uh, as you know, Claire, I also write some thr- uh, thrillers under the name Dana Perry, and I have a one called A Golden Girl out. Uh, that was so Dana good. Perry. Lord, yeah. prolific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Rick and my is book the is big money. What, I do what okay. expect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I love and, that one. And so my I'm book ready, is I'm called What Death more. Taught Terrence. And and so my book is called What Death Taught Terrence. It is out in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. Um, it's free right now if you have Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it. Uh, it, it will be out within the week or two in audio. What does that, Terrence? That is fantastic. 
And Jim, where's your, when's your next one coming out? Where can we find you? Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, you can find me just about anywhere. Um, uh, <laughs> my, my last book out is uh, called The Best Lousy Choice, and it uh-huh. is another Ed Earl Birch hard-bitten, uh, hard-boiled crime thriller starring at uh, Dallas P.I., who is uh, battered but relentless. Uh, it's available uh, on uh, – uh, well, it recently won two awards, so uh, I'll, I'll give that a pat. It won a gold medal with uh, Independent Press uh, Book Awards, uh, Best Crime Fiction, and then it won a bronze in the uh, e-book uh, uh, Best Mystery and Thriller category for the Independent Publishers Book Awards. So – and, and the latter one was a, a gaudy bronze medal that uh, uh, makes me look like I'm channeling Mr. T. So uh, it's available on Kobo, Amazon, uh, Kindle, and paperback. So uh, if you want to jump on the Ed Earl train, do it now. I'll probably have the fourth book out in er- early next year. And my my books, my Jack Bertolino series, if you just go to johnlansing.com, it's all there. The Fourth Gunman is the last one uh, that that was published, and I finished the prequel. Not sure when that's coming out, but uh, johnlansing.com. I can't wait already. I can't wait for you guys to write some more. And, Davin, when's the next one coming out? Well, my current debut novel is Diver's Paradise through Ocean View Publishing, and it's out uh, available in hardback and ebooks, soon to be audio. Uh, the next one I'm working on, but unlike these other guys, I'm a pretty slow writer, so I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be you. And I'm not even I'm not even working right now, Jim. So I don't have that excuse. So I'm just slow by nature. Did I miss yeah, anybody? I'm slowing down too. The day job's a good excuse. <laughs> okay, well. Before I forget, I, I'm going to brave this one. My new book is coming out, I don't know when, probably next week or the week after. The title of the book is called What If? What if you could lived in a world that Frank created that's based on the pandemic and kind of strange world? Would you be happy in the world that we live in now? What if? And that's the title of my book. And from what I gather from people read it, it's like more like reading The Twilight Zone. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, and I write in first person. I write. I write just right. I don't put any dialogue. The per, the character is speaking, and if he has quotation marks, I don't know who put him there. No, seriously, I really don't. Um, so, if anybody is brave enough to want to join my panel on Monday, let me know. Jim, let me know. I'm going to come up with talking points. I think this is important because um, there's a lot of negatives about police brutality. I know that, but there's a lot of positive that they do. And in my neighborhood, they're wonderful, so I can't complain. And um, so I just want to say from both from both sides, from both points of views, but I want to thank everybody. This has been fun. And um, if I'm going to come up with some more panel shows probably in September and October. Everybody have a great day. You guys are amazing. I learned a lot. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you. Bye, friend. Bye-bye. Thank you. you bye-bye, friend. Bye, everybody. Nice yeah. talking to you all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.